0: yeah that's what i freaking thought well,
1: i'm more sensitive than you i oh my feelings
0: yeah. get hurt
1: don't you're do sensitive.
0: that you didn't laugh no because we're like making it worse
1: unacceptable I don't sound like that
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome
1: back to the Slytherin Claw Review. I'm Madison. And I'm Daya. And today we are starting with a brand new book, Deep Dive. My favorite book, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Very exciting. But of course, business as usual. Got some stuff to do first if you would like to hit us with our spell of the episode, ma'am.
0: All right. The spell of the episode is actually a charm. It is the disillusionment charm. And it is used to disguise a target to perfectly match the surroundings. The magical moment for this charm is that in Order of the Phoenix, Alistair Moody casts this spell on Harry to protect him while they travel from the Dursleys' home to number 12, Grimald Place. And according to the book Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, hippogriffs and winged horses may be kept by wizards as long as they cast daily disillusionment charms on them. And it feels like someone is breaking an egg over your head.
1: I didn't know about the... Typograph thing, that's cool. Yeah, I
0: didn't know either, because it makes it seem... Well, I guess it makes sense, because if you're going to be near Muggles, you can't really explain that, so you would have to cast a daily charm so that they can't ever see it.
1: This is a note that I had written like later on when we get into it, but it's shocking to me that this charm is not used more. I feel like, especially with how often that they go around with the invisibility cloak, and especially in these later books, they're like, oh, we're getting too big. If the Disillusionment Charm exists, have, like, one or two of you under the cloak and have someone with mm-hmm. the Disillusionment Charm just, like, right next to you, like, you know? Maybe
0: it's a bit more difficult to master. That's the only thing I can think of. Whenever they don't use spells that seem, like, really useful in, like, okay. situations so that they're they just in. not smart enough. Yeah, are they just stupid or are they just not good enough at magic yet? It's like, is it really difficult? I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Well, our character of the episode is Dudley Dursley. He was first mentioned in Sorcerer's Stone, and he is a male muggle. He is described as having blue eyes and thick blonde hair, and also as being very large. He attends St. Gregory's Primary School, and then later on goes to Smelting's Academy. He is related to the Potters and the Evans families, and his skills and achievements include being a boxing champion at Smelting's Academy. And a magic fact about him is that Dudley is forced by his school to go on a diet because he had gotten too big to fit in his school uniform all things we already knew basically
0: things we've discussed and torn apart yeah Yeah,
1: quite a bit yeah and starting with the book itself now I'm very excited to dive in because like I mentioned this is my favorite book Mm -hmm. so we're back with the normal at the Dursleys every book and Harry is hiding in the flower bed underneath the open living room window of the Dursleys house because he's trying to overhear the news to try to see if he can find out anything about the Wizarding World. Because so far, he's been extremely cut off from Mm -hmm. the Wizarding World, so he's resorted to this. Um, The Dursleys are inside, and they think that Dudley is out eating dinner at a friend's house every night, but Harry tells us, the reader, that he's actually out vandalizing the park, smoking, and throwing rocks at cars, which, I guess, destroying public property is just like a normal teenage thing in the UK. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, the headlines for the day are announced, and Harry's, like, really relieved that, like, there's no news of, like, mass destruction or anything that might indicate Lord Voldemort's shenanigans. Um, and they also make some comment about the Prime Minister, and I just, I looked it up because I was curious. The Prime Minister during this time was John Major. That means nothing to me, but I just yeah. wanted to know. Okay, so. cool. I,
0: when you said that I was, like, am I supposed to...
1: Nope. Am I not. supposed
0: to know anything about this person? No. I'm glad that we aren't supposed it's to It's
1: completely irrelevant, but I was curious, so I just I wanted to let you know. Okay. Um then suddenly a loud crack rips through the neighborhood and Harry like jumps up, he hits his head, and now his aunt and uncle know that he was hiding in the garden.
0: I love how he just casually gave himself a concussion in the first chapter. Yeah. Like, he definitely like right so on top of his head.
1: For sure. Harry is, like, convinced that the crack was someone either operating or disapparating because he's, like, heard that before with Dobby, but Vernon is convinced that, like, this was him, and he's, like, yelling at Harry, like, actually, like, full-on strangling him yeah. out the window. <laughs> I was, like, all right. Um, but then Harry, I feel like, kind of comes out on top because he destroys him with the, why are you watching the news again? And he's, like, well, it changes every day, you see. <laughs> Mike dropped. Such yeah. a good
0: line. I love how they don't trust that he just wants to watch the news. No, they're like, no, there's something. That's there's something weird. afoot. He is not watching <laughs> the news.
1: For sure. He gets like you know pissed off or whatever, and he wanders off to like a local pl- uh, playground. Um, and he again, he's like, oh, that must have been like something that Dobby did. But then he's like, wait a second, maybe it wasn't a magical person. Maybe I just think it is because I've been so disconnected and I'm yearning for the magical world, and I've been, I miss Hogwarts so much. Dude, it's been like four weeks. Chill out like Blake has only been a month. <laughs> it's been Calm one down. Mo- it's not even the middle of the summer yet. Like he's gets into this really long out sappy monologue and it's uh, it's just ridiculous. He should be used to this by now. It's mm-hmm. book five. Um, but basically the only wizarding contact he's had is the Daily Prophet, which he's only reading the front headlines because okay idiot again idiot i know and he's getting letters from ron and hermione but all the letters are basically just like dumbledore won't let us tell you anything sorry um and we this is where we start getting the angsty harry that's like very prominent throughout this book (laughs) he is is extra angsty he is he's like convinced that they're hanging out at ron's they're having fun without him and they're like lying to him because they don't want to spend time with him And he gets all, like, narcissistic at one point where he's like, I'm Harry fucking Potter, how dare they? And I'm like, bro. No, he
0: literally, he's like, I've done more than any of them. Who did this? Me. Who did that? Me. And yet they don't invite me? Bullshit.
1: Like, Harry, you would not have survived half that shit if it wasn't for them. Be so fucking for real right now. Um he also mentions that Sirius is also writing letters to Harry, but Sirius at least is like writing like, hey, you know, this sucks, but don't be rash, blah blah blah. But he gets mad at Sirius too, because he's like, How dare the freaking mass murderer who got convicted and spent asking and tell me not to be rash and cause he flew off at a hippogriff. You gave him the hippogriff. Like you you facilitated half the things that you were getting pissed off at him for. Truly. But sure. He takes a seat on the swings and stares at the ground moodily, as the book says, like verbatim. <laughs> moodily. And he watches as Dudley um, ends up walking by with his gang, and he's like secretly hoping that Dudley will start shit so he can like threaten <laughs> Extra angsty. <laughs> so angsty. Um, but they don't, and all of Dudley's friends call him Big D, which I just had to mention because that's the worst possible nickname they could have given him.
0: I, I hate mean, it. if Big if D. I, it just. <laughs> I get it's because he's like large <laughs> and his name starts with Dudley it's like Dudley. I'm just I mean what else could you do with Dudley? Duds. Dud? <laughs>
1: <laughs> like you're that, a, you're yeah. a big fat Dud. Okay, that's fair. Okay, fine. It's still weird though. Yeah. Um after Dudley like, you know, says goodbye to his friends, Harry's like, Okay, I gotta go because apparently his curfew is just if Dudley's home, then you also gotta be home. And Dudley, this is where we find out he's lost a bunch of weight due to dieting and boxing, mm-hmm. you know, like I mentioned in the character thing. Um, and he approaches Dudley and he starts giving him shit, like, oh, why don't your friends call you, like, duddykins or Diddy Diddyums like your mom does, which is so unprovoked, and listen, <laughs> Harry has every right to give Dudley shit, yeah. but not for no reason, why he's that? just being a dick. He's broke the bear, he just wants to get in a <laughs> like, fight. he's literally just being a dick, and they get into a little tussle, and they, like, slam each other into the wall. And Dudley starts fighting back, and he's like, oh, you're not so brave at night. And he's basically shitting on Harry for crying in his sleep because he's having nightmares about Cedric, and he cries out for Cedric in his sleep, which is so sad. This man needs a therapist.
0: Yes, but in the book, they actually use the word, and I, I'm going to use little air quotations here, moaning. He hears him moaning at night. That's so true. <laughs> just like, that completely flips the context <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's moaning and he's dreaming of Cedric so <laughs> I know that he's supposed to be really upset but like I chuckle a little bit a little <laughs> it's a little it's funny it's a little funny
1: um all of a sudden it starts getting really dark and cold and Harry kind of realizes that, oh my god dementors are about to dementors why does it dementors dement dementors why does that sound weird okay whatever anyways they're about to attack Um, and they're, like, you know, fucking up Dudley, who can't see them, so, like, that must be terrifying for him, because he legitimately has no idea what's going on. Yeah. And Harry's also, like, you know, getting attacked, so he uses his wand, um, he struggles a bit, he does it twice, can't fully get it, but then the third time, the stag pulls up, gets rid of both of them. Um, and something that I noted is that Harry's, like, fear, like, kind of what he hears, is no longer his parents screaming. Now it's Voldemort saying, like, oh, you're gonna die, what's it like to die, I wouldn't know, Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. Um, and then Mrs. Fig, who's Harry's neighbor, if we all recall from the previous books, she comes running towards them, and Harry's like, oh, I gotta hide my wand, and she's like, no, keep it out in case there's more dementors lurking, near- lurking nearby, which is a plot twist, because it's like, oh, she knows about the magical world. mm mm-hmm. And that's basically where the chapter ends, but something else I thought was interesting, not interesting, weird, kind of, is, I don't know if you noticed, but in this book, she is, like, very specific with every little street. It's like a GPS. Like, she's like, they went down this street and then the oh, street. Oh, it was they... like
0: the crescent and then like yeah, the corner like, of that. It and was such way. a
1: specific detail. I'm like, did we need to know that? I don't know. I guess more
0: specific because she brings it up in the trial later. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. But yeah, it is a very specific detail. Um, so we're starting off chapter two. It turns out Mrs. Fig is a squib. So that's why she knows about the wizarding world. And she's really mad at... Mundungus Fletcher, who was the one that was supposed to be allegedly watching Harry. And the popping noise from earlier was actually Mundungus disappearing from outside Harry's house. And the cat that ran out was um, Mrs. Fig's cat that she had stationed there to watch Harry just in case. It's a smart cat. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, does she actually talk to these cats because she says that she, like, send the cats to look over him. So yeah. is she
1: talking to these cats? I mean, maybe. Because, like, if she's a squib, right? She has magical parents, but no magic of her own. So maybe there are, like, some kind of, like... Not, like, fully magical abilities, but, like, some, like...
0: Maybe she can still get things from the wizarding Yeah, room. like, maybe... Yeah, something like
1: that. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Or, yeah, or these cats are just really well-trained, I they guess. They could be
1: part an easel, like Crookshank.
0: Oh, true. Then it would be really smart. Okay. Um, anyways, he and Mrs. Fig start leading... Dudley back to the house, and she tells Harry that Dumbledore has instructed her not to tell Harry that she was a squib, because he was too young at the time. She also apologizes for, like, being so hard on him, because she knew that they wouldn't let him go over there if he yeah, enjoyed hard. it. Yeah. So, we get Mundungus Fletcher quickly showing up, and then leaving. Before
1: um, Mrs. Fig, like, beats the shit out of him. Like, she hits him, oh, and she's yes. yelling Oh, yes. Over the head with,
0: like, a bag of cat food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, she kind of just bounces... When they get to the door, because she's like, I don't want to deal with that. And then, when they get there, Vernon and Petunia are obviously, like, freaking out. And, like, in this commotion, Harry tries to sneak away. But then Dudley manages to be like, him. When they ask him who did it. And then, of course, we get Vernon, like, he's about to burst. Yeah. But he's kind of saved by an owl coming right in with a letter saying, he's been expelled, someone will be coming quickly to destroy his wand and he has a disciplinary hearing on August the twelfth at nine AM.
1: The wand breaking seems excessive.
0: (laughs) Oh it was excessive. Well I mean we find out later on that it was actually excessive for the situation. Yeah. Um so he decides again, just like in Prince Raskin, I've gotta run for it. Like I'm I'm out packing my shit and I'm out. Yeah. And so Vernon's trying to block him in and then another owl flies into the window carrying a letter from Arthur saying stay in the house, don't do any more magic don't give up your wand. And he's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Am I going to duel the the people who come to take my wand? And they keep trying to get details out of Dudley. Harry's explaining it wasn't him. And he says Dementors and Vernon's like, what's that? And Petunia answers that they guard the wizard prison Azkaban. And apparently she overheard James telling Lily this uh-uh. years ago.
1: No, wrong. That's she, doesn't, she, she doesn't say James. She says that awful boy telling her. So we're meant to assume it's James, but we do find out let- later she was talking about Snape. So fun fact, little little thing she dropped in there. We're meant to think it's James, but sh- it's um, not, not. She just thinks they're all awful. They're all the same. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> um, so now another
0: owl arrives saying that he can keep his wand until the hearing, which will also determine whether or not he is expelled, because we know that Dumbledore has gone down there and been like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, what's happening? And so while he is further explaining to the Dursleys another owl shows up with a letter from Sirius saying that Arthur told them what has happened and he should stay put. And then Harry is further just angsted. <laughs> I don't even know by this short response and is just like pissed. <laughs> At this point, honestly, it was so overstimulating, I probably would have screamed. Yeah. <laughs> all the, fl- like, all of the owls coming with their letters, Vernon's yelling, things are happening, there were Dementors, Mrs. Fig, this and that, I would have just screamed.
1: Yeah. I also think it's funny that he's mostly upset that no one's congratulated him for fighting off two Dementors. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, is that really what we're focused on No one's like, on right good <laughs> job, Harry. Pat on the back. <laughs> that is so funny.
0: Yeah. And Harry tells them that Lord Voldemort is back, and obviously Vernon's like, okay, I don't know what that means. But Petunia is terrified. Yeah. So she seems to understand a little bit more. All Vernon really knows is that the one is that's who killed the Potters. Yeah. Um and then Vernon's like, "You know what? This guy's after you. You're a danger to me, you're a danger to them. Get out." And as he's like screaming at him to get out, a howler comes in for Petunia. It says, "Remember my last, Petunia." And then Petunia says that he has to stay. Wow literally crazy. Who's this mystery howler from? Crazy. Crazy.
1: I find it funny that Harry doesn't recognize the voice. Because, like, we know who it is now, obviously. But I find it like, because even Harry's like, damn, like, I wonder. I'm like, you've been hearing that voice for, like, four and a half years now. How do you not recognize it?
0: Maybe they disguised the voice a little bit, because he did say it was a weird voice.
1: I guess. Maybe he has, like, one of those, like, voice things that they use where it's like, (laughs) hello. You know what I'm talking (laughs) about? Yeah. Okay, cool. They couldn't see that, but she, like, grasped
0: her throat and put her hand over her mouth. (laughs) Like, I don't even know what to explain. Like, you're turning into Darth Vader or something. It was a visual bit. Sorry,
1: guys. (laughs) But chapter three begins, and Harry writes basically the same litter. Oh, my God. Litter. Yeah. Letter. Chapter 3 begins, and Harry basically writes the same letter to Sirius, Ron, and Hermione saying, hey, yo, what the fuck is going on? I'm Harry Potter. I need to know. Tell me. And he snaps at Hedwig when she returns from flying and tells her, like, only come back when they've written decently long replies, and even, like, tells her, like, keep pecking them until they, like, write enough, which is, like, yeah, angsty Harry at Mm -hmm. at its highest. And then he feels bad for being mean to Hedwig because, obviously, she's, like, his only friend here. Yeah, and he um, she didn't even get a chance to eat her frog. No, and she caught that. She was so excited. Swear. Yeah, he was he was kind of a dick to her. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple days pass by with nothing. Petunia slides him food through the cat flap back from like book two, and then he only leaves to like go to the bathroom. Um, eventually, the Dursleys leave to attend an award ceremony, which we later learn is for the All England Best Kept Suburban Lawn Competition, and which is fake. just yeah, it's <laughs> fake. But I'm like, they thought like that was a real thing. I guess. Um, and they tell him, like, don't touch or eat anything, per usual. They leave, and Harry hears a loud, a loud crash, which he assumes are burglars, but then he's like, wait, no, burglars would be quiet. It must be wizards. So then his door unlocks, and he heads downstairs, and he's greeted by a group of, like, nine wizards, who later are introduced as Mad-Eye Moody, Remus Lupin, Nymphadora Tonks, Kingsley Shacklebolt, Elpheus Dodge, Dedalus Diggle, Emmeline Vance, Sturgis Podmore, and Hestia Jones. He meets all of them, including Tonks, who's one of my favorite characters. I love Tonks in the book so much. And I never understood what the hell Watcher means. She says that a lot. She said, Watcher, Harry. And I'm like, is it like a water? Like, But she doesn't finish it. She just says, Watcher. Like, watch it? Watch... I guess. What would that even mean? Like, I don't know. It's probably just a British thing, but I always thought it was so weird.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of go with it. I I just am like, it's like a watch it. That's what I read it as. Is that
1: correct? Probably not. But, you know, here we are. Fair enough. Um, And then they have come, basically, have come to transport him somewhere safe to await his hearing. um, So that way he's kind of out of danger. And then while he's packing, Tonks goes up with him and he learns that she is actually a metamorph magus. I apologize before I've said metamorphagus. I've realized now there's another M in there. So it's metamorph magus. My apologies. Which basically means that she can change her appearance mm-hmm. at will. Are you thinking it through? <laughs> it's metamorph magus? Well, I assume so because there is an M in there. So metamorphagus doesn't Are make sense. Are you kidding me? And then it's also, it's I don't know, it's animagus. So like metamorph magus.
0: Oh my it just god. Just makes sense. <laughs>
1: See, here's the thing, is that
0: even when I wrote it, I just skipped, I didn't know that you there's another the M. M, no, so I was like, that doesn't make any sense, there's not another M, I'm like, oh, I've just been writing it wrong. Yeah,
1: I didn't think there was an M either, but then I was reading it, and I was like,
0: oh, I've metamorph- been saying
1: it wrong my whole metamorph- life. Metamorph Magus? Yeah, Metamorph Magus. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, So she can change her appearance at will, which is also really fun because there's a very popular headcanon that talks as like gender fluid because of the way that, you know, she can change her appearance at will, which I love that headcanon. I think it's really cool and it matches with, you know, her abilities really well. So just a fun headcanon um, that I like. And basically, Tonks uses a bunch of spells to, like, clean up the room and help him pack his stuff. Um, and they're using, like, a lot of spells that, like, we haven't heard before. They're nothing, like, deep. It's just, like, packing spells, scourgify, to, like, clean up. But it's cool to, like, see, like, these, like, adult, you know, Mm -hmm. more advanced wizards doing just normal magic like that. Because as of right now, we've only seen them use magic, like, when they need to, Mm -hmm. like, in this life or death situation or just in school. I like
0: the casual magic. Yeah. So so. it's really
1: fun. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm um lupin writes a letter i wrote lupin what the hell is that remus <laughs> who am i hold on <laughs> well it's hard to because
0: Harry in the books they out. call him lupin and even i actually noticed it really later on when we have the scenes at gremold place sirius refers to him as lupin in one point and i was like i hate that that's weird yeah
1: i hate that so much remus writes a letter for the dursleys telling them like harry's safe and he'll return home next summer which harry's like that's just gonna depress them which is funny (laughs) and then moody does the spell of the episode the disillusionment charm on harry um and they mount flying broomsticks and take off into the very very cold freezing night they surprisingly have like no real trouble Mm -hmm. and they land in like a very like run down looking part of london Harry does mention in this that he feels great that he's like finally in his element with wizards again, which is, you know, nice little break from his angstiness that we've had. Mm -hmm. And then once they get there, um, (laughs) Moody pulls out the put outer. It is book five and it is still being called the put outer with capital letters. Yep. When the, I just, I need to know when (laughs) the hell she decided (laughs) to change that. Because we're five books in. Maybe it's like um,
0: Kleenex, you know what I mean? Like technically. Like, the put-outer is, like, a name brand. So, it's like... But you know.
1: there's only one that Dumbledore owns. This is the only one in existence. Are we sure that's the only one that exists? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Why would there only be one that exists? I'm pretty sure. That's why it's, like, a big deal when Dumbledore leaves it to Ron, because it's, like, that was his thing. Like, he had the put-outer thingy.
0: That's so stupid.
1: I also agree. But Moody hands Harry a piece of paper that reads, The headquarters of the Order of the Phoenix may be found at number 12 Grimmauld Place, London. And he tells Harry to memorize it. And that's where chapter three ends. And starting in chapter four, he's thinking about what he just read and a
0: door appears between 11 and 13, unnoticed by the muggles. And of course it wasn't there before.
1: Which makes no sense to me cause it like physically is moving things. So it's crazy, like I magic, whatever. But like, that's just so like, it's crazy that magic, like they're physically moving to make room for this house. Are they though? But he said it's like it it's, it inflates in between them, so it's like physically like appearing, like it's it's physically a, but, showing up. But is it
0: only just appearing to him? Like if like for the other wizards who have already known where it is, they've been there, they know it, so they don't have to reread the note every time they go, because they've already been told by the secret keeper, which is Dumbledore. So when they go, do they already see the door? So is that just how his mind is making sense of this thing appearing now?
1: Oh, see, okay, yeah, that would make more sense, because the way he was describing it, I was like, that
0: makes no sense! Yeah, because otherwise, it would have to do that every single time one of them goes to the house, and they're constantly going there.
1: That's a good point. Okay, cool. We're gonna go with that then. Never mind.
0: Cool. Um, So he enters the house, and Molly greets him and tells the others that, quote-unquote, he... Who is Snape? Is here, and the meeting is starting. So they all file um, into the door behind her while she leads Harry up to his room. And then when he enters, Hermione and Ron are there. They're excited to like for him, and they're explaining that Dumbledore told them not to say anything. And obviously, it doesn't make Harry feel better. In fact, he's just more and more pissed. So, Harry's throwing himself a little pity party. Like, how come you guys got to hang out and I didn't? Why can't I know anything? I am the chosen one. Boo hoo. Whatever. Crimea River. Um, then he pulls the, you know. I'm Harry Potter, I've done all this cool shit, I should be included, not you two. He's such a bitch-ass, and to the point where Hermione almost cries.
1: Yeah, Hermione's honestly being an angel this whole time, because Mm -hmm. she's talking like, hey, I would be upset too, I would be frustrated, I get it. And Harry just does not care. He even goes as far to say that he's happy for a moment to see the Hedwig bites on their hands. I'm like, Harry, you're being such a dick. (laughs) Yeah. So, Ron and Hermione
0: tell Harry they don't know much about what's going on with Voldemort, since they aren't allowed in the meetings but they are picking up bits of information with the extendable ears that the twins invented which is really cool by yeah, the way that's a really cool invention. invention and so the twins apparate to the room now that they're old enough and they've passed their exam so they're doing it all the time i guess which i would too yeah. just
1: boop, 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 i i mean honestly if i had to pick like one thing that i could pull from the harry potter world it would be operating. Mm-hmm. like that would be so, so convenient cool. i also need to mention that it It mentions that Fred and George are slightly shorter than Ron, which I always forget because Rupert Grint is not taller than the twins in the movie, so I just always envisioned Ron as shorter. Mm -hmm. But no, Ron is taller! Yeah, he got
0: really lanky over the summer, I guess. In this one month, apparently, he's grown like a foot. Um... So they're trying to use the ear to listen in on the meeting because apparently Snape is giving a report. But Ginny tells them they put an imperturbable charm on the kitchen door. And she says to find out, you just throw things. And if it can't make contact with the door, then the door is imperturbed, which is so
1: cool. Yeah, I love that.
0: Um, and the twins say that Bill took up a desk job so that he could stay and work for the order and apparently has been spending a lot of time with Miss more delacour charlie's still in romania but also working for the order more overseas stuff and harry asks about percy and everyone gets a little awkward because percy was promoted to junior assistant to the minister which is really odd for a his lack of experience and b all of the mishap that happened last year in his department with crouch and everything So, Arthur obviously, as I'm sure most people with a brain, think that this is a tactic for Fudge to keep tabs on Arthur yeah. and whether he was working with Dumbledore because he knows that they're going to be working together. Yeah. And then, of course, this pissed Percy right off. There was a whole blow-up. Um, he said some shit to Arthur about the money and the job, how he's a joke and all this, which is really messed up. So messed up. Poor Molly yeah. is just like... Depressing mean, us. Yes, like,
1: that's, that's their son. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I can't, I also just can't even ever imagine talking to my parents like that. Like, it's crazy. No.
0: No. Um, and apparently, the Daily Prophet has just been shitting on Harry. <laughs> like, every day. But since he doesn't read past the first page, he, he would not know. know. Pretty much saying he's a delusional teenager with a hero complex. And some of those are correct, but the delusional part, maybe not. Fair enough. Um, when they head down for dinner, Tonks accidentally trips over the umbrella stand and causes such a ruckus that all the paintings wake up and start screaming bloody murdy, murder murder <laughs> <Yeah>, murder bloody murder <laughs> we can't talk today no we can't so Sirius runs out baby boy and tells the portrait to shut up and she calls him a blood traitor and an abomination and now we've met Sirius's mother so
1: our lovely Walburga Black
0: yeah. the bitch <laughs> also I'm okay I understand why Ron would be kept with his family at Grimmauld Place. Why is Hermione there? Right. There's... I'm so glad you brought this up. (laughs) There's no purpose. Also, if, like, this place is... We're using the Fidelius charm. Dumbledore's a secret keeper. Mm -hmm. Nobody should be able to find it. So why would you not also put Harry there? How much safe... Like, what do you mean it was safe? I just so many holes
1: in his in Dumbledore's story. We should be questioning him more. <laughs> I agree. All right, let's let's discuss this for a little bit. Yeah. The first Hermione one. Mm-hmm. This is something that I have been thinking about since honestly like book 3 or 4 when she leaves their like family thing early, she spent like she's just there a lot more, which I understand she's a main character so she has to have her in there, but this has actually created a headcanon within the fandom which I haven't, I should have done a little more research on it beforehand, but I can mm-hmm. give you kind of the overview of it, which is that Hermione actually obliviated her parents way before the events of Book 7, which we'll definitely have to do more digging on it to see the validity and like what they use as background evidence, but I know that that is something that has been floating around mm-hmm. as to a reason why. Um, second off, for the Grimont place and the fact that it's the Fidelius, um, I know that they had to send Harry to the Dursleys because of the love magic protection charm thing.
0: I feel like the Fidelius charm
1: cancels that out. I feel like that would have been fine. I agree. But the other thing that that brings up for me is why couldn't Sirius have just hid out here from the beginning? Like, why wait until book five? Like, he was in a cave eating rats and on the run for a while, like why couldn't like I understand the cave is to be closer to Harry. Right, it could have done, but he like, could have made
0: himself secret keeper. Yeah, of mom's like place. why would
1: he not just? I understand it's, he hates his childhood home because of the trauma mm. and abuse he went in it. But like if he's gonna end up there anyway, why not save him the trouble and give him this quote unquote safe space? Because obviously it's not safe for him. He has bad memories there. But like it's safe physically, you know.
0: Yeah, I guess the only thing is that maybe in the beginning it wasn't under, like, they weren't using that charm, so it would have been easy for the Ministry to check that. And he was trying to get far away, and then he was trying to be close to Harry. So, like, like I, yeah. maybe in that, like, it was, it would have made sense that he go he went there if he could do that Fidelia's charm right away. But I guess you could argue that he was kind of on the run, so yeah. that would have been a really easy spot to find him.
1: I guess that's true. So. But moving on to Chapter 5, um, I just like that Chapter 5 of Book 5 is called The Order of the Phoenix, which is the book title. I was Mm -hmm. like, that's, I just thought that was cute. Um, but Sirius basically starts explaining that number 12 was his parents' house and now belongs to him as he is the last black. Um, and he offered it to Dumbledore as a meeting spot because of course his dad had put a bunch of blood wards on it and then Dumbledore added his own wards and stuff. Which, now that I think about it, does it say wards or does it just say protections? Um, I think that it just said, like, security. Okay, because I would re- think I remember hearing somewhere that wards were, like, a fanon thing. Like, we made that up. I, like, I rem- I think I remember reading something, like, it's never, like, it talks about protections, but it never specifically calls them wards. And so I think I just, fanon versus canon messed that up in my brain. Yeah,
0: I think in the this book it says security measures. Okay,
1: perfect. So that. Um, he also mentions that he can't use his Animagus disguise anymore because Peter... Pettigrew obviously probably has already told Voldemort about it. So he's stuck in this house permanently, and he's like, I've been so bored, at least you were able to go outside and shit. They're just having pity parties together. Yeah. Um, they, during dinner, Sirius ends up getting into a big fight with Mrs. Weasley over how much information Harry should be, you know, made like privy to. Uh, Mrs. Weasley greatly prefers that Harry not be told anything, but Sirius believes that there are certain things that he needs to know. This entire scene, I have so many thoughts about. Because, first of all, the first line that I wrote was, it's not up to you to decide what's good for Harry. Kind of is. He's his
0: godfather. I also had a note on that. Um, I literally said, Molly says it's not up to Sirius to decide what's good for Harry, when it actually kind of is. Technically, yes. Like He is his godfather, and so he normally would... But at the same time, because of the circumstances of him being imprisoned for so long and not being a part of all of Harry's life and not de- like necessarily being present, not necessarily for uh, like his choice to not be present, I kind of think it takes some validity away. Like, his word can't be God when it comes to Harry, like...
1: Yeah, I understand. But I still feel like in a lot of this, Molly was very much, like, villainizing Sirius Mm -hmm. in a way that I don't think she had a right to. I think she has Mm -hmm. a right to, you know, stake a claim for herself as someone who, you know, speaks for Harry, but she also has no right to deny Sirius of his claim. Yeah. I think
0: part of, like, this one was really frustrating reading their back and forth, but I think a lot of it can be explained by what we see in, in a little bit when she sees her bogger and... We'll talk about that, but I think a lot of it can be explained by what we see there.
1: That's, yeah. Because another thing that I wrote down was Molly bringing up James was uncalled for. (laughs) I felt like that was...
0: He's he's not James, Sirius. I don't know if it's uncalled for, but, like, it's definitely, like, a deep cutting. Like, Sirius does need to be reminded that Harry is a kid and, like, Sirius is not anymore. Like, he is not James. He cannot treat him the same way as James and, like, treat him like completely like an equal. So I feel like there is some reminder, like, you're supposed to be taking care of him, too.
1: Yeah, because I, bro, I'm like, I understand where she's coming from because Sirius does tend to act without thinking sometimes. And also the fact that he spent so long in Azkaban that has definitely stunted his mental development. So he mm. may be physically 37, but his brain is technically still 21. Yeah. So I understand where she's coming from, but I still feel like that was quite a low blow, especially in a room full of everyone like that was whew, yeah to the jugular full of everyone yeah and then in the middle of this fight um we get personally said lupin looking away from sirius at last that was a 40 line stare i need you to know that remus was staring at sirius for 40 <laughs> lines straight that is so gay <laughs> there was a whole back and forth it even tells you like fred george and Ginny were like oh my god oh my god looking back and forth nope wolf star rights wolf star rights bro um, and then, you know, she hits him with the Azkaban line of, like, oh, it's been really difficult for you to take care of him while you've been locked up, which is not his fault, and mm-hmm. she knows it. So, again, like, I kind of already mentioned, Molly has every right to see Harry as a son because he kind of is, but he is also Sirius's godson, and mm-hmm. she cannot disregard that in the way that she does. Yeah. And also, um, Remus going, Sirius, sit down, and then Sirius yeah. immediately sitting.
0: <laughs> I love that. Also, Remus does say, like, Molly, you're not the only one that cares about Harry which valid point this whole group is here they care about harry they want to protect him they want to help him as they've expressed over the past several Four books. books yeah so like maybe and again we see why she's so uptight and like anxious about it um uh, but still i think that she got a little lost in her own fear
1: yeah i agree Um, so eventually they do decide, okay, fine, he can stay, ask some questions. Fred, George, Ron, and Hermione end up staying as well because of, like, varying reasons, but poor Ginny gets the short end of the Mm -hmm. stick and she does get sent away. Um, she wakes up Walburgo's portrait in the process. Remus goes to shut it again and the book makes a point to say that Sirius does not start talking until Remus gets back, which is so insignificant, but to me it means a lot. They're husbands, Your Honor. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sirius then tells Harry that they think Voldemort is building his army back up, but the Ministry of Magic is refusing to accept that Voldemort is back. Instead, Fudge is focusing on the fear that Dumbledore is plotting to, like, overthrow him and become Minister for Magic himself. Uh, Dumbledore, of course, has no desire to do this, um, but that's what Fudge is choosing to focus on instead. Dumbledore has a theory of what's going on. They don't know what his theory is, but he's working on it or whatever. And mm-hmm. Harry also learns that Voldemort is attempting to gain access to some sort of, as they say, secret weapon. And I hate the way that, that they phrased it this way. Mm-hmm. Because as we, you know, we'll see in chapter 6, um, they take weapon literally. They take it to mean a physical or, like, something that he is looking, that he's going to use to for a physical battle. And obviously, us reading the books, we know that the weapon, quote-unquote, is the prophecy. But, like, I don't like visual bit <laughs> but I don't like that they phrase it this way I wish they would have said something more like he's looking for information or just something you know like I don't know I don't like that they said weapon I feel like that begins because a lot of this book is based on miscommunication reading things incorrectly not following you know certain things through and I feel like this is the beginning of that kind of with it being called a weapon
0: the problem is is that they say don't they just say a secret weapon
1: yeah yeah
0: but they don't say that it was necess- They don't say, like, oh, he's, like, this physical weapon. Not- well, no,
1: but that's what Harry, Ron, and even the twins... Well, they're stupid. Well, yes, but I'm like, if they hadn't called it a weapon, if they used maybe different wording, maybe they wouldn't have taken it so literal, and then maybe some things might have been different or avoided. And later, I don't know. Maybe that's just me hating yeah. the way she wrote that, but...
0: I mean, they're kids. Like, yeah. They're still kids. They are going to not understand
1: things and that was kind of the point of the way that they the adults worded it so that yeah, they wouldn't understand i guess that's true mrs weasley ends up stopping the conversation before harry can learn more though he tries to argue more but remus ends up agreeing with molly says that's enough and then sirius um doesn't argue with remus because they're married <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> he's fighting with molly about how he needs to know more but remus says no i think that's enough and sirius goes okay <laughs> whatever. whatever you say baby your honor whatever he says
0: <laughs> i agree um, after Molly leaves them, Harry and Ron start discussing everything they've been told. The twins operate in to join. None of them have any idea what this weapon could be. They're just kind of like, oh, hopefully Dumbledore has it. Um, which, I mean, they're not far off. Yeah. Um, and so Molly, of course, is, like checking in on them because she's like, no more talking. Go to bed. Um, so in the morning, Ron and Harry are woken by George. He tells them go eat breakfast and then they're going to start their cleaning tasks which is killing the doxies in the drawing room. Um, so I know that this is, like, terrible for them because they're, like, literally just, like, doing exterminating maintenance stuff. But it's kind of fun listening to them. Like, they've got to spray these little doxies and they put them in the bucket. And then, of course, the twins are, like, pocketing them because they want to use it for, like, the venom for their skiving... Skiving? Skiving? Skiving. Skiving snack boxes, which have sweets that will get you out of class.
1: Which skiving means skipping class. That's what, they don't call it skipping class, they call it skiving class, which oh. I thought was an interesting little Britishism. Britishism? Because I was wondering, I was like, what is skiving snack boxes? It's That's what they call skipping class.
0: Okay. I like that. Yeah. Um, because obviously we know Harry gave them the money from the Triwizard earnings, and they've been using it to make more products, they do, like, um, advertisements in the Daily Profit, so good for them. Yeah. They're being little Gotta, businessmen.
1: Yeah, entrepreneurs for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, so Monugus Fletcher shows up, which nothing ever good ever happens when he shows up. And Molly is pissed because he brings these stolen cauldrons, which is so funny, first of all. And then we get distracted by Creature. We finally meet Creature, the super old house elf who was supposed to take care of the house. He just like mumbles to himself, but not just about like random things. He's talking shit about about them right in front of them. Yep. And then they're like, Creature, and he's like, what? <laughs> And then just continues doing it. I know. And I love when Sirius comes in. And he's like, what are you doing? And Creature's like, cleaning. And we're like, come on. Are you? Dude, look at this place. Look at this place. And he calls Sirius a nasty, ungrateful swine who broke his mother's heart. And he's like, actually, my mother didn't have a heart. She kept herself alive out of pure spite. That is so the funniest funny. thing I've ever heard. Um. So we get Creature leaving and... Harry finally notices the large tapestry that contains the family tree of the noble and most ancient house of black which Sirius is not on well not anymore because his mother blasted his spot off when he ran away and when he ran away um, at 16 he lived with James Hart his parents treated Sirius as a second son and he got his own place when he was 17 with the money that his uncle Alfred had left him which is also why Alfred is not liked by the family.
1: I personally, there's a, like, headcanon that goes around that's, like, Alfred left um, Sirius, like, an outrageous amount of money. Like, think of, like, the highest number you can think of, uh-huh. and then double it. Like, it was an outrageous amount of money. Yeah. And I just... It's such a silly little headcanon, but I think it's so funny. Like, he left him, like, 700 million galleons. Like, yeah. it's just so much so money. outrageous. Yeah. And he says he
0: left because he... Hated the family and their pure blood mania, which I can understand. Get it. Um, he also points out his younger brother, Regulus Black, who died about 15. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> is like, like over here about to cry. <laughs> Regulus baby. <laughs> Regulus died about 15 years prior um, after joining the Death Eaters. Apparently he had got um, serious as he got in deep, panicked about what he was being asked to do, tried to back out. And so he was killed. Um, Sirius also points out that Tonks is not on the tapestry but her mother Andromeda was his favorite cousin. She isn't in the tapestry anymore either. Her spot between her sisters Bellatrix and Narcissa is burned off and of course you will recognize Narcissa is Draco's mom um, and Bellatrix is married to Rudolphus Lestrange which is one of the people, well they're the ones who are torturing um, the Longbottoms long bottoms with Barty Crouch um, along with Rodolphus' brother, Rab
1: R- Rabastin. Rabastin. What an interesting name. I know. Rabastin. Yeah. This is honestly one of my favorite parts of this book as a Marauders fan specifically because they're all they're all related. <laughs> I mean, okay. No. <laughs> because this is, you know, what a lot of you know, the background and head cannons because we don't really know much about the Marauders era. Like, we get the small inklings we get in this book, and that's it. The, the rest of it is all fan-made, which is honestly part of what I love about the Marauders fandom, that it's all stuff we made up. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like this, was just, I, like, this was what I love learning about. Like, I, I could probably recite the Black Family Tree from memory, which, I don't know what that says about me as a person. A lot. Okay. <laughs> Positively? No. Okay. <laughs> but... Yeah, I just, I just, I love this section, and I have a part in my character book, which is the whole entire Black family tree, which, I mean, I just, I find it so interesting, the way that A, she was able to make this, but, like, the way that, like, you know, because the one I have, you guys can't see it, but it's not that big, but there are ways where, like, you can see here, you know, Casper Crouch is in here, so that ties in the Crouches to them. There's Crab, which is, you know... Crab and Goyle, Macmillan from Ernie and Hufflepuff, like, there's so many names in here. Flint from Marcus Flint, Violetta Bulstrode, like, mm. Millicent, so it's just so interesting to me the way that, like, Sirius is right, like, every pureblood family is somehow connected to them, like, it's just, that, I just, I, that stuff is so interesting to me, the way that they all tie together like that, because the Potters are connected in there as well, so are the Weasleys, like, he says, like, everyone. Mm-hmm. It's just cool.
0: Yeah. And I also... Find it interesting when they make the connections of who's actually related. When he Because when, obviously, Harry's, um, the Malfoys stand out to Harry because Drake goes on there and he's mm-hmm. like, oh my god, what?
1: <laughs> which is funny because, you know, if you do go back long enough, the Potters are related to the Malfoys distantly, but they are, mm-hmm. which makes Dreary fanfic <laughs> interesting. But the Weasleys and the Potters are also distantly, very distantly related. So it's just like if you go back far enough, mm-hmm. everyone's related, which makes every ship weird somehow. It's okay. We
0: have to think about that. <laughs> Anyways, um, after three days of de- decontaminating the drawing room, they move on to the dining room, and again, they're just killing out like killing weird pests and throwing away anything and everything that belonged to the Black family. Like everything that has a crust, he's like gone. Sirius, like throw it all away. Yeah. Um, we get lots of visitors, including Snape and McGonagall, and then. We get to the night before Harry's hearing. Molly tells Harry that she ironed his best clothes and that he will be going to work with Arthur in the morning. Now, Sirius had wanted to attend the hearing in his dog form to provide, like, moral support, but Dumbledore decided it was best if he didn't, Um, which also brings up the point that Dumbledore went to headquarters, spoke to people, and then chose not to talk to Harry Which is when we're starting to get to the aspect of Dumbledore that, like, makes it really hard to understand his motivations and also appreciate him in, like, a positive light. Yeah. Because this is a kid whose whole life is constantly being turned upside down, who's constantly in danger, and you know that you're, like, a safe person, like, you're a safe haven for him, and you don't take five seconds to be like, I will be at your hearing tomorrow, even though, you know... Serious can't go. Like, no explanation. He's yeah. just like, this is what I say, this is what goes. So I'm really upset.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, like, you know, of course, you know, lay- way later on, we'll find out his, you know, reasonings, which mm-hmm. is, for me, it's, it's an explanation, but it's not an excuse. Mm-hmm. Especially when you think about the fact that the majority, if not all of this book, could have been avoided if he or... Any of them had just really, truly talked to Harry about this. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, chapter seven begins it's the morning of the hear- hearing. Harry wakes up early and he gets dressed in his T-shirt and jeans, which, like, come on, man, dress a little nicer. Get yeah. some buttons in there for your. Especially because Molly said that he, she ironed his like best clothes,
0: and that was a T-shirt and, and jeans. jeans. <laughs>
1: Put him at least in, like, his school stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I know. I was like, alright. I feel like your expulsion is on the line. I feel like you can dress a little yeah, nicer. Yeah, your life in the wizarding world is on the line, my dude. <laughs> yeah. But alas. He heads downstairs for breakfast where Mr. and Mrs. Weasley, Sirius Tonks, and Remus are all waiting for him in the kitchen. Um, they wish Harry good luck, um, and he and Arthur leave for the Ministry of Magic, and they're walking because Harry can't apparate, which they've mentioned, like, twice now in this book, mm-hmm. but we know that side-along apparation is a thing, mm-hmm. even though we technically don't learn about that till book six, so it makes me wonder, did she just not come up with side-along apparation until book six, because he can't apparate with someone, just not by himself. So... I'm going to say probably. Yeah. because Maybe making... it was
0: just an afterthought because they've never, up until this point with the mentions of, appar- like, aberrating and disapparating, we've never had any mention of, the f- of someone taking someone else with them.
1: Yeah. That's what I was thinking, too, because I was like, yes, he can, but I, yeah, I guess you just didn't think of that at this time. Yeah. Um, they take the London Underground, which is their, like, subway system, and Arthur's obviously all excited by, like, all the muggle stuff. Um, and they finally get to central London, um, where they're going to enter the ministry through a phone booth and they, he types in the numbers, which are actually are, are magic is mm-hmm. what they spell out with like the letters, which I thought was a cool little detail. Here he gets his little visitor badge and they go down underground into the ministry of magic, which the description sounds so cool. I cannot wait for them to build this at Epic and Universal and like yeah. us being able to walk in there and see it. Like, I'm so excited to see it. Um, and then, you know, Harry talks about the fountain that's there, and he says that, you know, oh, it goes towards St. Mungus. He's like, I'll put 10 galleons in there which when I'm done, which is only $250. I feel like he can put uh, a little more. <laughs> I feel like that's a lot. Like, I know he's a rich boy, like, in the
0: Wizarding World, <laughs> but, like, I was thinking, damn, 10 galleons, that's nice. And he does put more in there. When he leaves, he, like, dumps the whole bag in there. I'm like, dude, how much money did you
1: have in that bag? That's insane. Yeah. But how much money does he have in that vault? We'll That's so I
0: keep thinking of like in terms of my bank account. I'm like, I would never. And then like, but he doesn't have to worry about that. No. He's got
1: actual gold. He's got so he's yeah. got that sleek Sleekiesies hair potion money, baby. He does.
0: He's got those rich dead parents, man. <laughs> 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 is he's an orphan.
1: <laughs> oh my god! Moving on. <laughs> Um, Arthur takes Harry um, to wait in his office. They run into Kingsley on the way. Um, and then during this conversation, like, right afterwards, we find out that there are normal wizard cops, like, below Aurors, which is so funny to me. Like, imagine wanting to, like, be an Auror, and then they're like, nah, you're just gonna work in the normal cop division dealing with, like, like, how do they decide, like, what do they get? And then maybe, what do the Yeah, Aurors maybe get?
0: the Aurors, like, FBI. Ooh. Right?
1: And then, like they're
0: just like the other ones are just like cops (laughs) yeah
1: so i was like damn it would suck to just be like a normal cop when like there's orders yeah i would hate that (laughs) yeah must suck but anyways they get to uh mr weasley's office and then his partner perkins like runs in and he informs them like hey the time and place of his meeting has been changed it's, like, in, like, courtroom 10. It's, like, 8 a.m. now. And Arthur looks at his watch, and he's, like, oh, my God, we're already late. We got to freaking go. So he's, like, dragging Harry. He sprints towards the courtroom, which is on the same level as the Department of Mysteries. <laughs> and they, Harry says there's just a plain black door down a corridor. Ooh. But then they get to courtroom 10. He drops Harry off, and he's, like, nope, I'm not allowed to go in. Just you. Good luck. Peace. And yeah. He dips. End of chapter seven.
0: Also, not important to the plot, not important to anything, but when they get into the elevator, um, they send like interdepartmental memos with these little enchanted um, paper airplanes, and I love those. First of all, if I could do that, I would be doing it nonstop because I feel like even if your door's closed, right, they can just like fly under Under the the door, like flatten out and then like refold. So cool. And then, how, what are the limits, right? Because if I don't have an owl, And, you know, let's say we're a few hours away from each other. Could I enchant this little paper airplane to go all the way to you? So what are the limits of it? Because I would be doing that all the time.
1: That's so true. Who needs an
0: owl when I can do little airplanes?
1: Yeah, because I also thought that was really cool. It's like imagine the the time you save from not having to, like, walk it to someone's place or whatever. Also, when I went to LeakyCon last year, there was a girl who was dressed as these memos. Like, she was dressed in all purple and her skirt had a bunch of the paper airplanes. I they said that. Ministry of Magic in gold. She had, like, one on, on a headband. She had, like, some, like, flying across her chest and above her shoulder. It was the sickest cosplay That's so I've creative. ever seen. creative. I know. I like that. It was awesome, dude. I loved it. Yeah.
0: Also, the people who do the windows, they can, like, they have to, like, program what the weather is outside because they're underground. Yeah. And so it was sunny and he's like, are we underground? He's like, yeah. And then... Arthur was saying that when they wanted a raise they made a hurricane for like two months straight that is so fun listen if I don't get a cool job I want to do that yeah I want to choose what the windows are just so I can like put some really random stuff there like you look outside and you're like what is this not even
1: you have an enemy in like a certain department and you're like he's getting a tornado today yeah (laughs) yeah that is really cool yeah that's a fun little detail I'd just be messing
0: around in the wizarding world. <laughs> I'm sending him. I'm sending memos and I'm ch- enchanting the windows. Um, so we start off chapter eight. Harry is kind of shocked to see that he's in the same room that he watched the trials when he entered the Pensieve. Um, the entire wizard gamut. Is that what we decided? I don't know. What do you say?
1: Wizengamot, Wizengamot.
0: Yeah, I say Wizengamot. I say Wizengamot. Um, is there with Fudge overseeing the interrogation, because it was supposed to just be Amelia Bones doing it in her office, supposed to be private. But no, we have the whole council here. Nope. Yep. And Percy's there taking notes, but does not pay any attention to Harry. And then, as Fudge is announcing the interrogators, Dumbledore enters, announcing himself as a witness for the defense. And then Fudge is like, oh my god, flustered because Dumbledore's there.
1: Yeah, he definitely moved the meeting in order to not get Dumbledore to show up. Yeah,
0: yeah. So Fudge starts firing questions and not really giving Harry time to actually defend himself. So infuriating. No, but Madam Bones um, cuts in to ask about the Patronus and if it was um, corporeal. She's like, oh, that's pretty cool. I thought this was so funny because Fudge is flabbergasted, like, just like really just hammering it. And she's like, wait, hold on. Like like a, like a you full potato. Like he's, you're how old again? And he's like, yeah, I was a stag. And she's like, damn, that's
1: impressive. Yeah. Which also, I hate Fudge in this scene because he he should not be the judge. Judges are supposed to be impartial in things like this, and mm-hmm. he is so very clearly biased. Like he infuriates me this entire mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. He infuriates me this entire book. <laughs> that's also so valid, yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: when Harry tells them he did it because of the Dementors, Amelia Bones seems extremely confused by this. But Fudge is like, oh, I expected this, and just discredits the claim as a convenient cover-up since muggles cannot see Dementors. And then before Fudge can completely dismiss the story, Dumbledore tells the council there is another witness, and they bring in Mrs. Fig. So she tells the story. She has the details that kind of make it hard for her to make it up. Um, And so Fudge just resorts to dismissing her because she's a squib and being like, can squibs even see the Dementors? And she's like, uh, yeah. We actually can. Which me makes just... me
1: wonder, can they? Because, like, even Harry mentions, like, it did sound like she did, like, rehearse this, you know? So it's like, can she? And she's just extremely nervous, and that's why it sounds like that. Or did Dumbledore, like, tell her exactly? So it's like, obviously she was there, so she does know what happened. But mm-hmm. if it's true that squibs can't see Dementors, then Dumbledore would have had to have filled her in a little bit to make sure she told what she needed to tell to help Harry. Yeah. So it's like, do we ever get caught? Like, is that true? Or I can't
0: imagine that she would have, like, gone to that tunnel if she hadn't actually seen them going in. Because they were in the tunnel. They weren't open to view. She would have had to have, like, made the beeline to that tunnel to see them in there getting attacked. I guess, yeah. And I guess she wouldn't have had a reason. But it would be in- it is an interesting question of whether or not she could actually see them. Because either way, it's kind of
1: Because she does have that mishap where she's like, they were running, and they're like, they don't run. And she's like, right, gliding, that's what I meant. So it's like, that's what made me kind of wonder. I'm like, did she actually see them? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. Cool
0: question. Um, And now we meet Dolores Umbridge. (sighs) the bitch. Yep. Who is senior undersecretary to the minister and apparently looks like a pale toad. It was said a couple times. I feel like I need to say it. Yeah, The pale toad. Fair enough. Um, This woman triggers my fight or flight, I swear. (laughs) She gives me... Okay, so she is the British version of the faux southern charm. Yes. Like, ah, bless your heart. Like, that's her, but, like, British version. Yeah. Like, super condescending, super intimidating.
1: Yeah, it's started there for a teensy little moment. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. (laughs) So she's, like, it
0: sounds like you're insinuating that, like we don't have control of the Dementors, or that the ministry did this attack. And he's like, well, I would never, I would never do that. So maybe we should like look into this, which honestly king shit on Dumbledore's part, because his use of logic really flusters fudge, which I enjoy because I mean the Dementors were there. So either y'all don't have control of them because Voldemort's back, which they obviously don't want to admit, or someone within the ministry, like, organize the attack they also don't want to take credit for that so now they're like in a pickle because what do you do
1: yeah dumbledore's full lawyering it up in here like honestly like the way that he tackles this trial is impressive like Mm -hmm. i give him props for this
0: yeah and so the council votes and it's decided that harry will be cleared of all charges as soon as this verdict is announced dumbledore leaves the room without even acknowledging harry yep bruh again We know why he's like avoiding Harry, but do we really think that this was like life or death for him to be like, "Good job, Harry. I'll see you back at school."
1: Yeah, it's just the fact that he refuses to even look look at at him. him. Like that's the crazy part. Like he will not make eye contact with him. Mm -hmm. It's complete. Yeah, because it's like I remember, because like reading this book now, there are some parts where I'm like. Harry's being a dick. He's being angsty. Get over it. Yeah. But there are some other parts where I'm like, no, yeah, fair enough. This, I would also be upset at this now. But I know for a fact that when I was younger and reading this, like, when I was Harry's age, I was like, yeah, no, he's right. Like, he's, he just, yeah, like, I was all. <laughs> no. <laughs> now I remember being like, oh, yeah, they're
0: Harry, full Harry. But then, even in the argument earlier, when... Uh, I'm serious like he's not a kid and molly's like yes he is i'm like i'm on molly's like he is a kid he's 15 like he should know some stuff obviously he's been through a lot but like y'all can't be treating him like an adult yeah he does need to be protected to a certain extent but like i feel like dumbledore is just like smothering him with
1: it's like the little mermaid vibes where she's like i'm 16 i'm not a little kid anymore like when you're a younger girl you're like yeah go, you tell him, but now we're like, sit your ass down, yes yeah. you are. <laughs> if a 15-year-old looked
0: at me and was like, you owe me an explanation, I'd like, the hell I do. <laughs> Eat your green beans and go to bed, kid.
1: <laughs> what are you talking about? <sighs> yep. Um, but that is basically where we're finishing up. Uh, this first part of Order of the Phoenix, um, I believe we've divided this book into five parts, because it is a fat one. the thickest of all the books. So, um, yeah. this was part one, and so yeah, we'll, we'll be reading this for a hot a minute, fat minute, bro. Yeah, mm-hmm. but honestly, I am excited. This is, you know, has always been my favorite book. I mean, we'll see when I'm done if it still is. I feel like it still will be. I don't see why it wouldn't be. But I just, I love Order of the Phoenix. I know you have your qualms with I it just, because because <laughs> of the trauma you suffered.
0: Literally, the last time I read the when, last time I reread the series, and I I know for a fact. That I stopped in this book because my bookmark was still in it. And it, funnily was that enough, chapter? was right before <laughs> he dies. And so I was like, you know what? This makes a lot of sense for me. So,
1: we're going to have to finish it this Basking
0: time. in the trauma later on, um, Power through I it. will cry <laughs> while reading it. I might cry while watching the movie. Who knows? Because I will never forgive her. <laughs> I will never forgive her for what she does in this book. And we'll discuss that uh, yeah, later. Yeah, we can discuss that when we get there. Because we'll discuss-
1: I also have thoughts. So many thoughts. I know. So many tears shed. <laughs> now it's time for our joke. Okay. Which I'm very excited for. Um, do you know
0: who won? I did. Oh, of course. I'm pretty sure it was 100% too. And I think
1: that was just because
0: you decided to one. shit on it a It was Hufflepuff. the, I did it,
1: it was the only one, I said it there, okay? It was the only one that matched. I was trying to stay true to the topic, okay? <laughs> okay.
0: This one's not gonna be good, so...
1: You know what? Never mind.
0: I'm manifesting. It's really funny. Mm -hmm. Okay? Go ahead. Um, How do you explode a light bulb? Oh, God. How? Lumos, boomos. (laughs) Please. It's so funny. Oh, my God. Lumos, boomos. Okay. (laughs) Hey, it was good.
1: Okay. Whatever you say, babe.
0: Fine. You
1: go. Okay, how did Voldemort walk around after he broke his leg?
0: I don't know how. With his whore
1: crutches. <laughs>
0: uh huh. Madison, it's so funny. Whore crutches. <laughs> oh my God, she's like <laughs> flailing about on the ground.
1: It's so funny. <laughs>
0: Uh tears in your eyes that's how much you love this joke wow
1: it's so good
0: (laughs) okay anyways that is all for us this week thank you everyone for listening next episode we will be discussing part two of the order of the phoenix so make sure you tune in
1: for that Make sure you guys also follow us online. Our Twitter is at Slither Rev, and our Instagram is at Slither Review. Make sure you guys leave a rating, comment, or a review, and tell your friends if you enjoy this podcast. All of this helps us immensely, and we appreciate it so, so, so much.
0: Until next time.
1: <laughs>